Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, and today, as always, I am joined by not only Perry Goldstein, but an extra special guest, We are huge fans of her work. We are talking about none other than Melissa Jacobs. The accolades go on and on. Founder and managing editor of The Football Girl, contributor for The Guardian, NFL editor for SportsIllustrated.com, Emmy Award winner, uh, ESPN producer, one of the founding contributors for ESPNW, which is absolutely fantastic. We love all of those things. So, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Big fans of your work and big fans of The Football Girl, and we could not be more excited to talk with you today. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had. <laughs> like, more than, like, that was probably better than, like, my husband's vows at our wedding. <laughs> I'm feeling very boosted right now, but it's great to be with you guys. Yeah, I mean, we have... As two women that love football, anytime we get the chance to talk to more women in sports, it is it just makes us incredibly happy. And the fact that you also bring a 49ers perspective to a lot of what we want to talk about, um, I hope we didn't just lose half of our audience. But are now over, right? Yes. So you know, we know that it feels like it's been forever because time right now is just bizarre, but since the draft and this year's draft was definitely a little different than normal um, in that it was virtual. Um, On top of that, we think that the Packers kind of lit the NFL on fire with our first pick. So we just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on um, how you think the NFL did with the virtual draft in general. You know, we watched it and I was, you know, we were blown away by it. Um, And any thoughts you have on the Packers, you know, quite unique draft um, (laughs) from this year. Quite unique. That's what we're calling it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how like the emotions can maybe settle over time and now. Um, No, I mean, I think in terms of the virtual draft, I mean, you know, I don't think any of us totally knew what to expect. I think we were expecting a lot more technical difficulties. Um, And, you know, I love... uh, 
I know I had done, I did a piece um, kind of delving into the production of it beforehand for, for the Guardian uh, like the day before and I know there were like 170 different feeds and you know there were some things that were supposed to happen like the um, prospects had two cameras one that was close up for the reaction and then one that was a wide shot and they were supposed to have them like pretend like they were walking to the podium to hug Roger Goodell and he was supposed to interview them and like clearly they made decisions on the fly not to do that I think Susie Colbert interviewed Joe Burrow and then like didn't I maybe did one other interview like like I feel like they just did such an exceptional job just adjusting and to me like I was gonna say crazy I would never say this in any other situation Roger Goodell was kind of like the MVP of the draft yes because he was like the first time like you're a real person like you're tired and you (laughs) you're you're like lounging in your chair and you 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 feel like like you you almost look deflated. I, you know I, I don't know what the right word is, but it was the first time. Like it was so human. It was just so um, like a microcosm of what the whole thing was. And then I just like you know obviously all the families and getting that insight into the the coaches homes and I want to be best friends with Cliff Kingsbury now. <laughs> Invite me over for a movie night, please. Oh, living in, I mean, he makes a crap load of money, obviously, but I'm also like, oh man, Arizona. I live in California, so it's, I'm <laughs> like jealous of like cost of living most other places. But yeah, I, I thought it was great. I, and I, I can't imagine them going from that back to just something so glitzy and so kind of with like this veneer on it because it was so well received. So we'll, we'll see what they do moving forward. And um, Oh, the other part, Oh, the Packers, you guys want to talk about that, huh? I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you guys are covering this every week. Do, uh, is there any true rationale? Cause I still don't understand. Um, my, this is actually, honestly, guys, this was my first reaction. I don't know Aaron Rodgers. I've like interviewed him once and dealt with him once in the ESPYs, like in a different life. Um, I find him really intriguing. It seems like he's had, you know, a lot of, you know, I know he's like California boy and he's, he's kind of had like a lot of self-discovery and, you know, awareness of societal issues through like, you know, Martellus Bennett, et cetera. Um, but I also know that because I watched The Bachelor, that he doesn't talk to his family. And, you know, there's, there's, I, my first thought was, I know he's also kind of a, you know, weird guy in, in some ways. Um, like, it, there's got to be a rift between Matt LaFleur and Rogers. That was kind of my first reaction. Like, this is, you know, LaFleur perhaps like, I don't, I, I want to make my mark. Like, I want this to be, you know, like any, everyone, anyone who's a head coach in the NFL has a big ego. Anyone who's a quarterback in the NFL, especially who's played at Rogers level, has an ego. Can those two coexist? That was my first thought is that maybe that's not happening. And this was the sort of, in a way, you know, not only insurance, but maybe a little bit like F you, you have to play by my rules, whatever they are, if you're going to be finish out your contract here. So, um, and then I don't know why they drafted running back either. <laughs> so uh, I just, the whole thing was pretty baffling. Um, I know that, you know, the Packers got smoked in the NFC championship, but they were in the NFC championship. This is not like the drought that the team had had when they drafted Aaron Rodgers uh, when Brett Favre was still under center. So I, I just, I don't know. Have you, have you guys uh, come up with any explanation? 
I mean, I think like for me personally, the initial shock was, you know, maybe this is Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur getting on the same page for the future because, you know, Matt LaFleur is inevitably or hoping to be coaching after Aaron Rodgers moves on. And if he can get his guy, you're hoping that you're not drafting in the top 10 and the top 15. And if a quarterback you like that can develop slips all the way into the late twenties, you have to jump on that. And then I look at, you know, the 49ers and the way that Matt LaFleur has kind of come up under that Kyle Shanahan tree, um, not necessarily his tree, but now working with Kyle Shanahan to me, I, I think so much of what we all expected was, that the Packers would take wide receivers and just really bolster this offense and get Aaron Rodgers weapons. And then we saw them get different kinds of weapons and we didn't know what that meant. So like you said, they took a power back in the second, which still felt pretty rich of a pick, but it made some sense if you look at the kind of offense we all now are thinking Matt LaFleur might be trying to emulate. And then they took a versatile H-back, tight end, fullback, you name it, he can do it in the third. And, you know, Matt LaFleur seems so excited about these guys and it felt like maybe he's finally getting the pieces he needs to run his offense effectively. But, you know, with the Jordan Love pick, it also seems like the Packers are setting themselves up for a potential future that doesn't necessarily have to funnel through Aaron Rodgers. It has to funnel through Matt LaFleur's offense. Yeah. I think it's hard as fans to just think about the post Rogers era at all, like full stop. Um, like it's hard to imagine, especially, if, you know, for Maggie and I pretty much our entire memory of watching the Packers at this point is Aaron Rodgers. So that's why it was just like a little bit of a harder pill to swallow because it makes you think and remember, you know, he's 36 turning 37. Mm-hmm. Yes. They extended him for, you know, potentially three to four more years, but a good front office should be thinking about the future when their quarterback is that of that age. Um, but it just makes us as fans, like, remember, you know, you're not going to have this hall of a famer <laughs> for the rest of your, you know, viewing right. pleasure. And, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I just, like, we're, perpetually optimistic fans we always look to try to find you know okay it happened there's nothing we can do about it but you know how are these pieces going to fit and you know we've we've done our best to try to analyze and and see it but we're not going to know until we see it on the field really it could be you know who nobody thought that this was going to be successful or it could be wow what did they do Right. I mean, uh, yeah. And, but you do have a job as fans. You're just supposed to complain, but I guess you guys are too long. <laughs> Packers fans. I don't know, but I, I guess I, I understand. I agree to obviously that's such a big part of, of front office personnel is, is getting yourself set to be a successful franchise for X amount of years. But I don't know. It's just so hard to look at 13 and three. You're in yeah. the NFL championship. If you had an offense of, any kind and it bolstered offense. Like maybe you could have been in that game, maybe a turnover. And the thing about the NFL is like, obviously you you don't, the windows are small. Like you can't just bank. I mean, maybe Jordan love will wind up being this, whatever the next Aaron Rodgers or whomever. And we'll all just be laughing at our skepticism, but (laughs) you have that chance now and you're so close. And it's not, if somehow 
you know, you have the piece, you, you get those couple pieces and then you, even if you make it to the Super Bowl, obviously winning the Super Bowl, but even getting that I played in the Super Bowl and all the international pub that comes with those two weeks, like that's insurance for you. Like that's a lot more job security than we were 13 and three and we lost in the NFC championship every year for like what happened to Jim Harbaugh, right? In San Francisco, like things go off the rails when you are close and you don't get to that place. So why not try to get to that place now when you're already so close and you know what you're missing? So then like from your perspective as somebody who follows the 49ers, do you think that, you know, given the key pieces that you lost, I thought the 49ers had a really solid and really aggressive draft. And there was part of me on night one that wondered if the 49ers jumped the Packers to get Brandon Ayuk and that maybe was the target all along. So do you think, I mean, you know, we talk about the NFL being a week to week league season to season. It's really hard to get back to where the 49ers were, but I don't really think that that roster lost any firepower on paper. I mean, do you think that given the tough schedule that there's, you know, a deep playoff push probably to be expected again by that team? Yeah, I mean, it's really going to be on whether Garoppolo takes the next step because they they, play, they they lose to Forrest Buckner, which is still kind of devastating because of his talent. They get Javon Kinlaw. They lose, Joe Staley retires. They they trade and get Trent Williams. Like that's might maybe even an improvement at this point based on where where they were in in their careers. And yeah, they Brandon Ayuk. I mean, I know the reports were out there that. <laughs> They really did stop the Packers. And, you know, I kind of didn't think that, but I don't know. They're, they're pretty shrewd in San Francisco and both John, but especially uh, John Lynch, the GM and Kyle Shanahan were like, oh, that was, we, we had, he was our number one receiver. We were, we had him with CeeDee Lamb, which maybe that's true, but it also <laughs> Might be okay. We're we're trying to put some distance between us and Green Bay, and it seems like those two franchises know each other pretty well. So maybe you know maybe there was some insight into like this is their the Packers draft board, and then there's a drop in their receiver. So if we can just grab Ayuk, then they're basically going to be throwing their hands up and then have to maybe do a pivot. I don't know. It's fun to theorize. I mean, who knows? But it's. I I like the theories like that. (laughs) I mean, Brian Gutekunst had said, like, knowing this Packers offense and being a part of it, we know it takes our receivers like three years to get acclimated. So I think, you know, once we got past the second round, Packers fans kind of should have expected that even if they take a guy at 94 or on day three, that player should not be expected to take the jump that some of their second and third year guys should be making. And, you know, they did bring in Devin Funchess and I know, a lot of fans kind of scoffed at it in the moment because of his injury history. And, but he, he's a second round pick. I think he was 41st overall, which would be like the highest receiver that Rogers has gotten to play with at this point. So, you know, they made moves. It's just, are they making moves that we're expecting? And the answer for me at least is absolutely not. Yeah. I think the other thing for me, when we, we think about the championship game is that, I mean, Raheem Mostert ran through us. I mean, just completely ran through us. And so Maggie and I I both feel that, okay, wide receiver, sure, no one we love fell. We understand the development. But to me, you know, not getting someone on the defensive line said a lot more to me about where they think this roster is than a wide receiver, really, because it was that to me was just the 
biggest glaring hole. And that was to me a little bit of why we lost that game or why we weren't even in that game to begin with. Um, so that was the most shocking part of the draft and free agency for me as like the NFC champions game was like our last memory, you know? And so all we can think about is not being able to stop the run and it's still going to be a problem for us considering who we're playing this season. You know, we don't just have the 49ers. We have Derrick Henry coming to town. We've got Alvin Kamara. Like we've got some Christian McCaffrey. So it's something we're still going to need to focus on. Yeah. It's, it's very baffling that the, the team just wasn't more aggressive in free agency and like address. I agree. Comparing just completely addressing that and corner. I mean, there's obviously as, the, the, the lack of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a Devin Funchess truther. Um, <laughs> he's fine. He's like a guy, you know, like he, uh, but I don't, I don't like, I don't like the notion that a wide receiver needs, well, you said that that's their philosophy three years to understand the system. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the, the vibe that everyone got from the pressers after the fact was that, you know, unless you're taking a guy like in the top 20, it, it's going to take you some time to get acclimated. But the Packers also had drafted fifth round picks, you know, or sixth right. round guys, which they probably will take more time to get acclimated than had they invested in a guy like Ruggs or CeeDee Lamb. Right. Well, and also like this very unique year that the wide receiver quarterback connection is not going to be what it is at the, at the outset. I mean, at this time last year, Tom Brady and Nikhil Harry were like working out in Brady's backyard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're obviously players can't do that now. So, I mean, yeah. I guess there is something to be said about maybe thinking about positions that you can kind of study without needing the, you know, everyone, obviously everyone needs their drills and their practice partners and whatnot. But I feel like, you know, that, that, timing connection between quarterback and receiver is so crucial. And obviously for Jordan Love, it's not as crucial. Yeah. We're, I think we're all kind of wondering what this Packers roster is going to look like whenever the season starts, if Jordan Love will even be QB two, because he might have such a different off season program where, where you might not want him to be your backup at this point, right. because it's, you know, it's going to be such a transition from his playing days at Utah state. Now, into the NFL when he might only have the virtual program before maybe even right. like the preseason or to start. So that's, this is the most fascinating season. I think at least I for sure can remember. Yeah. He's a project, but he's going to be fun. I mean, it's, and, and, and honestly, just the psychology, the, what, how Rogers treats him and, and that relationship and, it's going to be just very, I, I wish that was its own reality show, but <laughs> they will not be accepting a hard knocks um, invitation anytime soon. It really feels like the 49ers. And I mean, the Packers and the 49ers have such a rich history, you know, all the playoff wins and losses in the nineties between the two teams, Colin Kaepernick destroyed the Packers <laughs> for a good chunk of the early 2010s. You know, Aaron Rodgers not getting drafted by his hometown 49ers is always a narrative. Whatever the two teams play, it just happens to cycle back. Um, and then of course, this was, I think the first game that we looked for on the schedule was to see when Packers 49ers was coming a little bit surprised that it was a Thursday night game, yeah, um, me too. especially, you know, the Packers play the Vikings that Sunday and then the 49ers play the Seahawks. And then they have this 
quick turnaround to another really intense game. So that little stretch of two games coming on almost no rest seems like it could have really big implications for the NFC. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see where everyone's kind of at at that point, but um, yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting. It is, it does amaze me. I mean, I, I guess if I were Aaron Rodgers, I would still be chippy about 2005. It would just be like this motivating factor throwing pencils everywhere. (laughs) I feel so uh, passionate about it now. yeah, I, I love, I mean, I've, I think I've been at Levi's for the last few games. Uh, I was there just covering it. I, they're just, there does feel like a little added, you know, zest or something. Obviously none of the people involved in Rogers not being drafted. None of those people are, are there anymore. They play in a different stadium, but there's, you know, and now, and now there's these, you know, I think it was from Colin Coward. So take it for what you will, but <laughs> the idea that like Rogers doesn't finish his career in green Bay and then goes and plays for San Francisco. And that that would be a logical landing spot because Jimmy, they, they the Niners can make a decision on Garoppolo in a year. And there's, a, I mean, a, a, a decent chance that he's not the future the five, seven year future. So, yeah, I, I mean, the, you know, the last couple of games weren't obviously very super intense or close, but there is something that feels like it does feel like a legit rivalry. Um, and and you don't have that many of those like outside of a division. So yeah, I think that's think that your point of the history, the Kaepernick in the '90s, you know, like all of that. It's 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 enough. There isn't enough of a blank spot between any of it that it you know. And then Rogers being that continuum now. Yeah. And then when you add in the kind of coaching staff level connections too, like Robert yeah. Sala was in Matt LaFleur's wedding party, <laughs> you know, and like his yeah. brother is their passing coordinator. It just, it's, it just adds this like extra intense, like you imagine like Thanksgiving dinner was probably so awkward. They must've had some private conversations. Sala, yeah, I mean, and didn't they block uh, Matt LaFleur's brother from being on the coaching staff yes. when he first came on to Green Bay? So there's just, there's bad blood everywhere. <laughs> it's like bad blood, but like, I still feel like it's kind of respectful bad blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like a fun, like, okay, I beat you. Now you beat me. Now I beat you. And like, see who can one up the other in a very like, brotherly familial way yeah because yeah. like even in the height of uh, the niner seahawks rivalry still exists but that that was not that was just ugly that was like these two teams hate each other and you feel fury when the teams from each fan base toward each other so they're i think they're i i, I agree i like the mutual respect but the fact that there is a little more intensity when the packers and niners play would you say that the Seahawks, I mean, as of late, it's the Niners' biggest rivalry, or is does it go back between, like, the Rams and, I mean, I guess Arizona's there. I but. <laughs> because of those, like, back-to-back NFC championships were most recent. Um, yeah, and obviously Richard Sherman now being <laughs> – still, it's, I, I remember being there for his uh, introductory presser in San Francisco, and he came in in this bright red suit and – it was just like, like I thought I was in a, a, a nightmare, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the thing about him is it took like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, yep, 
he's a niner. Like he, he's so, he's just such an authentic soul, um, for better, for worse off the field for him. But yeah, it feels, and, and I, I just think the the fan bases really don't like each other. I, I don't, I don't think there's, like as much of a hatred as maybe the the teams had obviously in in the Harbaugh um, Pete Carroll years, but um, but I did hear you could actually I I, I want to ask you guys because um, Pat Fitzmorris who works for uh, works with me on the Football Girlies our fantasy analyst he's a huge Packers fan and he claims is it um, the Vikings who do the, the Vikings hate. Bears fans, or is it? Oh no, they hate the Vikings fans. Is that a, a big thing? The Packers hate Vikings fans. Like I didn't, I had no idea. I think it depends. So I live on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois. Like I'm very South Wisconsin. So growing up, the biggest rivalry to me is always Packers Bears. And right. if you live more in Green Bay, more North Wisconsin, it is fully Vikings. And there's kind of like a little brother feel for the lions, which seems disrespectful, but it's like those games are fun. They've been very challenging the last couple seasons, but the Packers have always been like, well, they're, they don't really seem like as threatening. They'd be the least problematic, I guess, if they were to make a playoff push because right. Packer fans would be like, well, the cupboards bare, the Vikings as of late. And I think a lot of that honestly stemmed from the Anthony Barr collarbone thing hmm. because it yeah. made social media so toxic yeah. And it still circles back whenever there's any type of sack or one of the teams is, you know, has a big free agent signing. It always comes back to that incident. So as of recently, at least for sure, the Vikings are very hostile on social media. Yeah, I think the Vikings also, they feel always like our biggest challenger. Like until the Bears, to me, get a better quarterback, I feel like we'll always have the leg up. But like Vikings always really, really give us a run for our money. I think that rivalry just stems from like, you know, they could beat us at on any given day. Um, so there's there's some animosity. But I agree, Maggie, the Anthony Barr hit, it just like solidified the hatred. <laughs> and like growing up, and maybe it's because I'm on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois, but I think there's like such a respect for the history between the Packers and bears and George Hallis and what he did to help save the Packers franchise. And there's like a mutual respect as like, you know, there's almost like this mutual feeling between the fan bases that like, this is the best rivalry in sports. Like we can agree that together there's such a rich history between our teams that there's respect there and the Packers Mm -hmm. and Vikings. It's just animosity. There's not really a level of respect (laughs) at that point. Okay. I just didn't, I had no idea until he mentioned, um, yeah, it was, it was, I, cause I was like, Oh, green Bay people are nice. Minneapolis people are nice. Like <laughs> the, the H, the hate word. I just didn't think that I, I just didn't really understand the intensity of that until recently. I think Midwest nice is still a thing. Like I think any fan base in the NFC North is still very polite. Like we're probably the worst at talking trash because we're all just like, Oh, let me get the door. Like, you know, but (laughs) there is the rivalry still. I guess that kind of segues a little bit into, you know, with the virtual draft and what the season looks like in 2020. 
and being optimistic that we want to see a football season. We hope it starts on time, but you know, the NFL has really kind of set themselves up with scheduling in a way that either they can postpone the season, they can, um, you know, just the way that they've talked about delaying things, how all the teams have the same bye week as their week two opponents. Some of the little things that they kind of put into the schedule makes it really interesting for 2020. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on, you know, especially living in California, if you see what's going on as planned or kind of what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have more skepticism than most people. And I want to clarify that does I desperately want NFL football. There's a big notion that there's a lot of journalists out there that want to see the season canceled. I don't know why any of us would want that. That's how we earn our living. It's yeah. ridiculous. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I know in Nebraska, they're starting youth baseball games in a few weeks in California, our governor Gavin Newsom is saying, we're not going to let a hundred people get together until there's a vaccine. Well, two football teams together are more than a hundred people, let alone fans. So, you know, and things are not progressing as wonderfully here. I mean, they're, they're saying in Los Angeles, they're going to have the shelter in place until the through July. Now that was announced uh, just today. Uh, obviously there'll be some loosening of where you can pick up retail and whatnot, but it doesn't seem like the red carpet's been put down for, okay, now start tackling each other. And, you know, Peter King had a very poignant column this week talking to um, Anthony Fauci, who basically pinpointed football is probably the most potentially lethal of all the sports in the way like the virus sheds and, and the close contact and the helmets aren't protecting you. And then you get one player infected. And then what do you do with the rest of the roster and the opponents they've played in the, in the two or three weeks prior to that. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful there's a season. I, I appreciate the NFL is trying to be up front. Um, I hope people didn't go, you know, when the schedule was released, go and buy plane tickets and all of that. I'm sure some people did. Um, but um, I'm, I, I feel like it's very unlikely it starts on time. Again, we're still in May. Things can obviously change very quickly. You know, you have the power, you have the government from the very top, even at the state level, even, you know, in New York, Cuomo, his big reopen New York council involves basically all the sports owners. So there's a push. And I think a lot of people are looking to sports as like, you're going to lead the, I mean, sports is kind of what shut down initially, right? Um, after Gobert tested and then NBA shuts down, then I mean, we, it was inevitable, but it started with the NBA. And I think people are looking at sports as that's our beacon of hope. We'll get a template, I think, maybe from the MBA and the MLB, and that will really determine what is going to happen with the NFL. Um, so I'm hopeful, but I, I, I not, I'm still skeptical that things will start, you know, the, the September 12th or whatever that opening week is supposed to be. Yeah, and I think another thing, too, is, you know, let's say we are ready to play each other in October, you know, mm-hmm. there still needs to be an off season and training camp and the ability for teams to get together. And then that pushes the schedule up further. And I know that the NFL has said, you know, we can play in cold weather, we can push it through, you know, February, et cetera. But I think at what point do they just say either we're chopping games or, you know, 
we're just not going to have a season at all. Just for, to me, I think about the health of the players and their ability to train and practice together prior to a season starting is so important. Right. And that's been a huge increase in injuries because of the CBA limiting already their off season in person. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. Like obviously the coronavirus is a thing we're top of mind, but all the other injuries that will, will come um, for sure. Like that's definitely going to be an issue. Um, now I do know there's a plethora of guys that somehow are still going to gyms and they're, you know, they're not like us where we're lifting up champagne bottles or whatever <laughs> to work out. Like they still have their things and, you know, Tom Brady is breaking and entering in parks in Florida. <laughs> you know, there's, there's it's not like they're going to walk in like, big slobs, but they do, they need that contact. They need to get their bodies in in football shape. And uh, is that going to happen in July? I mean, we're already almost to June. It seems, it seems a little um, hopeful as as much as I want it to happen. So I don't know. Fingers fingers crossed. There's a lot of progress on the, you know, what do they call serology, the, the, the medications and all that stuff. But then I mean, you know, what do you do? Like one, even in training camp or regular season, one player gets it, one staffer gets it. Like then, then what? What is that? What's the domino effect of that? Yeah, it's and I think there's, there's also like a competitive advantage thing where you know I know they talked about playing on neutral sites and what that would look like. Um, if you look at the Packers schedule, even a delayed season, if that turns their December games into February games. Like as somebody that lives in Wisconsin, December is not the problem. Like our problem (laughs) is February and you have the Jaguars in November. Let's say they come in January, the Panthers and the Titans come in February. Um, Even if you tried to play on neutral sites, there's still, what if, you know, one of the faces of the NFL, like an Aaron Donald or a Tom Brady, if there's a competitive advantage, if one of those players has to self quarantine, it changes the entire trajectory of your team. And a two week period, two losses will change the trajectory of a season or the playoffs. So there's just, it seems really hard to move forward unless you have all of these things figured out. And I don't feel like there's a way to have all of those things figured out ahead of time. Right. And then on the other hand, too, I mean, an NFL player's career is what, like, I don't, I think the average now is maybe like three and a half years. So if you take a season away, I mean, you're basically taking a third of a career away and are you obviously the health and safety should be first and foremost, but it's just a sad consequence of what our situation is, but you know how, like people are getting laid off left and right. Like every, everyone, you know, it's magnified because it's football and the NFL, but it's, everyone's obviously impacted by this in some way. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of everything that we spin optimistically. We're by nature, optimistic people, optimistic Packer fans, but sports have really been like that distraction. And we've said on this show from the beginning that we're very privileged to have this dialogue once a week because it is an hour or however long of our time where we don't have to think about all of those other things. And we can still like pretend that we're in this realm of sports and there's content to talk about and content for us to focus on that is something hopeful, even if, you know, down the line that is, you know, changed. Yeah, right. in my heart of hearts, when the schedule came out, 
Like I was like, the chances that I get to go to any of these games are very, very slim. But at the same time, like I'm kind of glad that the NFL has just given us like, you know, until we know it's a no, like we're just going to keep this going and try to provide some like light at the end of the tunnel or like Maggie said, something for us to just think about that gets us excited for whenever this decides to end. Right. Man, it's sad. <laughs> I, I was thinking that I wasn't the I had because because you know the the Niners the Niners Packers rivalry and all the things and Jordan Love and it's like oh I haven't checked the news in thirty minutes or whatever it's been and now we're back back in that place where <laughs> yeah, now we have to end on something really fun okay uh, what's fun these days. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not thinking about the NFC Championship game. That's fun for us. <laughs> oh, I have a um, I have a surprise guest. Raheem Mostert's on the line. Just, uh, no, didn't he tweet too that he he was like, oh look, it's the Packers on the schedule, and everyone's like, oh great, <laughs> he's already ready. Like salivating. <laughs> so I know that you had tweeted that you don't particularly like the schedule coming out isn't like the thing that excites you the yeah. most totally understandable. There's so much time. You never know what teams are going to look like, but there is, is there a game that the 49ers are playing that just like is really exciting to you? You're really intrigued to see how it goes or, you know, you really want to attend if you could. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So no, that, like, jumped out to you. Okay. First of all, here's the thing about the schedule release. We already know who the opponents are. Yeah. It's just like what the weeks are, just putting those in place. So I always think, I think to me, that's like the symbol of the NFL just being, I get it. They make money. They, they get TV advertising. So they're going to put a show on and ESPN had a three hour show, um, which is bonkers, but probably a good distraction right now. But that's why I am critical of that. Cause it seems really unnecessary. I mean, I'm excited about the Packers. I'm excited about this. Like, I don't have a particular game. I, I just want to see what Jimmy Garoppolo does out of the gate. So I guess it's kind of week one. Um, I'm he, To me, he's just – obviously, you can say that about any franchise, their quarterback, but because I feel like San Francisco has really solidified almost everywhere else except perhaps the secondary that, um, you know, how he responds to the Super Bowl – um, and just whether he's taken that next step, which he's going to need to do if that team is going to get back, um, is very, um, that, yeah, that, that, that's what my mind is, is most on for sure. What are your thoughts about, I know that there's been a lot of comparisons made between the Tom Brady and Jimmy G dynamic and then what people are theorizing before <laughs> any downs have been played, that this could be the same thing that happens with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, because this offseason, Aaron Rodgers had said, basically, it's inevitable that the Packers will take a quarterback at some point, but they still have to beat me in camp. So that, to me, was a statement just saying, you know, I'm still at the top of my game. This person still has to come in and prove that they deserve my spot. And for the foreseeable future, I don't think that's the case. So, you know, what do you what, in your opinion, does this draft end up looking like if in four years Aaron Rodgers is still the cream of the crop in the NFC and Jordan love hasn't played a doubt. And now they have to decide if they want to give him a fifth year option with only like preseason activity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, 
one of those, yeah, can you get any, can, what can you get for him? So if they really, and, and that goes back, you know, I had Stacey Dales on my, my last podcast and she talked about the rationale being like, this is your hottest commodity, this position. Yeah. If you, no matter what you have, if you get somebody that you think is like a top dog, you have a bargaining chip. So whether they become the eventual successor or not, like, so yeah, they, they could turn out to be like, Two first round picks. Like who knows if he can, you know, I, I, I find it hard to believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to play 16 games for the next three years. And, you know, he'll, he, Jordan Love will get action. I think, um, in, in, in some form we'll, we'll, we'll know where he's at. I, I believe. Um, so yeah, it could be, I mean, it's, it's just whether he's going to be good or not. Right? <laughs> if he's just a total bust. And, and then also like if, Aaron Rodgers is at the top of his game and he's continues throwing over 4,000 yards, but then they just never get back to the Super Bowl because he didn't have enough weapons around him. And that's like clearly the problem. Then the, you know, there's, there's, there's so much aftermath, potential aftermath of this draft that uh, I'm, I'm glad that you guys get to talk about this all the time. Cause it, it's really <laughs> intriguing and very layered. Yeah, we don't know if we're glad that we get to talk about it all the time. <laughs> I feel like there's never a right answer with this conversation. It always upsets someone, whatever we decide to go, whatever path we decide to go down. I mean, we've done the negative takes and they're just, they get you, I guess, more clicks, but they're not like, they're not cathartic. For It's not cathartic for me to be negative. So I have to at least think about a potential future where the Packers have 45 years of Hall of Fame play instead of 30 years. And then that's, <laughs> oh, God. that's how spin it until proven otherwise, I guess. <laughs> we very much appreciate you coming on the show. This was a blast. We could not have asked for better conversation, a more special guest. We very much admire all of your work with the football girl, um, ESPNW. We always end the show by letting our guests kind of brag about themselves and talk about yeah. any fun projects where you want to, if people want to follow your work, how can they do that? Um, so feel free, the floor is yours to talk up any fun projects, anything you're working on. Well, thank you. I don't think I could uh, top the the <laughs> intro and <laughs> all that. Um, you, you've definitely highlighted the resume stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter, so... I'm at the football girl there. Um, we have a pretty robust, engaged Facebook page, uh, the football girl. I know some people are still on Facebook. Um, I have the football girl podcast, which is biweekly at this point, um, spotlighting prominent women in the NFL doing cool things and just trying to have intriguing conversations about, you know, on field stuff. Uh, some of the, D deeper, d tougher questions to, to dissect. And, um, I'm doing my, you know, for the guardian, I'm actually in the midst of a piece right now. My, I, I have two kids and they're very entrenched in or one of them at least is really entrenched in the youth sports landscape. So my, well, we're waiting for the NFL to come back. I also want to know, like, when is my son going to be playing baseball games? <laughs> what that reentry is going to look like? Am I going to feel safe? So I'm kind of doing this like broad thing for the guardian now, sort of like, don't forget the, the youth sport side of it. And you know, what, what is that going to look like? What do experts recommending? Are they like, how much focus is there on youth sports? Well, we're trying to get the professional leagues back. So that is probably the uh, cavalcade of, of things right now. And I'm also a, a not great homeschool teacher. 
Well, I can't really help you because I teach a college class, but you know, if they, if, oh my God. I mean, I was going to say I can help them with some writing, but you're also <laughs> their parent, so you can help them with also writing help. better than I would be able to. I'm the parent, exactly. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk after this. <laughs> All right. Perry, any final thoughts before we wrap the show? Just want to say thank you again. It's been like such a pleasure to just talk football. I love just how natural it is for three women to just get online and talk about sports. And um, thank you again for the platform and community you've created for female fans. It's, it's very appreciated. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This was great. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you again to Melissa for joining us. This week on Packs with She Said, such a fun time talking about football with such an awesome and knowledgeable woman. We love the football girl so much and we'll continue to listen to it as always. Um, you can find me on social media at Goldstein Perry on Twitter, as well as following the podcast at PWSS Podcast. And Maggie, where can everyone find your work? You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV, and I also podcast with the Pack a Day podcast crew doing the Thursday morning show. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. Um, please follow Melissa Jacobs if you don't already and acknowledge all of the fantastic work she does. We could not be bigger fans of hers, and, you know, Perry said it best already but we're so appreciative of her being able to come on the show and talk football with us because it's one of our favorite things to do and having one of our favorite people in the industry hop on with us to talk sports for 30 minutes is a dream come true so thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast and as always go pack go go pack go and jones out in front they're trying to chase him down